I'll be promoting a couple of concerts, uh, one in Hollywood and uh, one the, uh, the following evening in um, Pasadena and uh, the uh, Healing Center for the Universe. And I get a chance today to interview somebody who's going to be playing on that bill. I'm already very much indebted to him for being part of this cosmic experience. Basically, my message is, I don't care if you're a philanthropist or somebody who um, has a little bit of spare money, but I think the most important thing in this time is if you really appreciate and love live music, then you've got to you've got to pony up for the cats. Uh, these are some of the baddest musicians around. There are incredible musicians in every town, like in Tucson where I live. But my guest is still carving his name as an individual singer songwriter, and um, I look forward to getting in with him today. Stephen Nielsen, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor, man. You know, um, I just kind of wanted to ask you about your concept of love and how you bring love to the world. Uh, well, I mean, I I feel like that's a that's a large question, you know. But I I try to bring it in a, in everything, you know, and in every like meeting, you know, and talking to people and whatever job you're doing or or however you're doing it and to try and uh you know see people who for for who they are and and not get lost in you know certain things that could be could you know change the way you act around people so i try to bring love in to everything that i do um do you think it's like what kind of adjectives would you use to describe it like um unconditional get uh generosity or um listening or or uh you know in terms of like what what does it mean to you in a in a in a situation with other human beings yeah i guess um, i mean i definitely listening and and uh and letting the other whoever you're with to speak their mind and and to try and see it you know see their side of the the what they're saying and and to be a part of that conversation um and uh you know whatever they're doing you know i'm always into it like i grew up with loving parents who always you know were were totally cool with whatever i wanted to do you know and totally totally yeah and that definitely has come with me in my life and and you know what whatever people are doing you know it's great you know to keep doing it don't discourage them or or anything like that um positivity you know um, yeah, and I think so. I mean, you know, just having um, sometimes I feel like people that you're closest with or that you that you love, you know, they you have to tell them the truth sometimes, uh, what they maybe don't, don't want to hear, you know. Yeah, that's probably the t sometimes the toughest part too, you know, and in those situations, and and that though, and when it does happen, it makes you grow as an individual too, you know, and you don't realize it maybe, but is there like a an example like as a musician or an artist or a human being that um that where you encountered something along these lines and it helped you grow as a person um i mean definitely um i feel like i try and learn from everyone i meet in in certain ways you know um there's a lot of musicians that um have you know told me certain things about like you know songs i'm writing like you know giving me the hard truth about stuff you know and i'm always open to that especially if it comes from their heart you know 
Um, there's definitely been a few people that I learned, I mean, I learned from so much, you know, um, and that's what drives me to keep doing it, to keep being a musician and keep writing songs too. Um, could, can you, could you talk about one producer or, you know, some, and I guess more importantly that, you know, how you responded to it and how you, know, you grew from it as a musician. Yeah. Um, because you know what it is like every, you're right. Every, I mean, I, tr I, I really fall short. I love, I, I, I don't always, I, I don't, I'm not the most positive person all the time to everybody, but yeah. I mean, you know, there's certain seminal times in your life where you grow. And I just musically, I was hoping you could focus on one and just sort of, you know, paint the picture of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess there's a couple people in my past, in the past, like, you know, five, five years or so that I've worked with that have really helped me push into a different, um, kind of mindset. I was in a, playing in a band for a while and, you know, it's kind of doing the circuit and I just need, I, for me, I needed to get out of it and start doing something else, you know? And, and right. I was talking to a friend of mine and also a songwriter and he was like, well, you know, I got this guy. I'd never met him before. And he lives in Philly. And so I hit him up and man, we just got, got along so well. And he was really positive about the songs and wanted to help bring them to life in a certain way. And, it gave me a whole new, like, you know, I started writing more and I'd go down to Philly every once in a while and we'd do a couple of days and uh, Dave Ulrich is his name. He's he's an amazing musician and producer. And wow. so he's definitely one person that I feel like brought, you know, he did my first album that is on Spotify and um, yeah, he, he was just like great. Wait, I'm curious. Did he, did he, did he, did he like, did he did he say that you have to like finish some of the stories in your songs? Did he did he shorten it? Did he just put you in a different mindset? What was the magic there? Well, I think uh, just being with someone else, you know, and and creating rather than just for for me, I could get stuck in writing these yeah. songs by myself, you know, and that's <clears throat> that's you know, I'm trying I try to I'm trying to play more with other people and do that, and I feel like that just brings these songs to another level because you're with someone else and they're and you know you're both kind of on the same you know cosmic level and you can kind of get somewhere with it and he brought he definitely added some things and and helped change the vibe of certain songs you know like uh bringing drums into it drums are are a great addition to adding something to a song you know to add structure and and kind of changes to certain things so he brought all that and just like ideas on, on recording. And I was learning, I'm still learning, you know, the recording process and I love it. So. Um, right. I wonder about sometimes how you feel. I mean, it's not like you have a huge discography, but yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't know, you know, I've done, as you know, and you're just getting hip to the show, so to speak, but you know, I mean, yeah. I go, I go back and listen to my early interviews with <laughs> 13 years ago with, you know, Pat Martino and Jack DeJanette and Dave Brubeck. And, you know, sometimes it's quality of the audio, but more times than not, it's just like, I can hear the squeamishness in my voice. Like, I know what I want to say. I'm talking to them about, you know, just, yeah. I've really grown. They help me find my voice. But so my point is that all that stuff is out in the public and 
so many of the studio sharks that I talk to, and again, we don't have the same, we don't, I mean, we just don't have a studio scene anymore yeah. uh, in that vibrancy sense with jingles and duds, suds and duds. But so many of those guys didn't have a lot of time to perseverate or really, uh, I don't want to say obsessed, but really hone in on, you know, focus on the recording process itself for the most part yeah. there were there were first takes and some of classic tunes are tunes that that where there were clams on them and i just wonder sometimes if you're somebody that would consider taking a take that may not quote unquote be the perfect take because it just feels better oh definitely yeah um i'm all about that really uh <clears throat> maybe almost too much sometimes uh i i love the getting the take and find you know that's the the beauty of i don't know I, lo I love finding that take that's just got something and there may be a few flaws to it you know and it might not be perfect but there there are moments in it that just go way above and beyond what i feel like the perfect take you know or, or trying to strive for the perfect likes you know everyone's playing the notes right or whatever right you know? exactly no but I mean, you can suck all the soul out of it you know exactly yeah yeah um and it, is, there, you know, is there a tra is there a track is there actually a track that went to to to, to record that where you can you know where it wasn't the perfect track but uh it it, it felt right to you uh yeah i mean i feel like <laughs> there's a couple maybe uh on that the last the latest album i did um with with uh jason who you know we we both no and i mean honestly he's the electric holy man you know i know he's 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 amazing he's he's quite the dude and well, uh, yeah we're, uh, we're 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 all happy he's in our lives you know yeah he's an amazing individual i've learned so much from him as well um and he made that last album and you know we were we just had two i mean i did a couple i did a, a day with him the first day i met him at lone palm and then um we we decided to go out to the desert with the Tascam uh, 388 and and do the rest of these tracks and you know uh that was we did it in March of 2020 it was like shut down and he we all almost canceled but we did it anyway and uh it it was crazy a couple of days and it was and there are a couple of tracks on there I'm trying to think of the name of, of were you couple. guys like were you all masked up at that point or was it like that no no not no masks were any that is so yeah. insane dude because you know i know i know i remember unfortunately i do remember really when it came full bore because i lost i tragically lost one of my dearest brothers but i uh but that that's incredible that you actually took a trip with other human beings you know at that time you know it was like pretty much the week that everything shut down we left my partner and i left new york and we got to we spent two days in san francisco and then we went down to la and met jason and a couple of my friends in joshua tree and by the time we got to la i lost my job here and my girlfriend had lost her job in that span of the week you know they not lost but like everything was shut down so when right, we were right, there, right, right. yeah it was still fresh and so i think there's you know that kind of uh it was definitely an interesting time to cut some of those tracks um i'm curious if you can go a little bit deeper about like to me was there even more because there was all this like i mean it was a once in a lifetime pandemic yeah you didn't know every <laughs> you, you know i don't know if you guys would have gone if 
you know, there were like, if you had, if you had seen TV uh, advertise, well, everything probably would have been shut down. But if you had seen people on like ventilators and shit, you may not have done that, but you guys did. Oh, no, no, and and that, I, hadn't even, yeah. that hadn't really happened quite yet. Right, right. It was probably happening. And that's why they were shutting it down. And um, did you, did you take a little, I don't know what the right word is. Urgency was the focus even, was it, were you more geared up and intense for that because things around you were so unpredictable and fluid? Even though I you, think, were the, you were in the desert, I mean, you were out of, out of the, the city. We were, know? so it, maybe it felt a little uh, nice to be out there rather, you know, we were absolutely not, not in New York and, in, in, you know, living in, um, you know, in, a, in, a, in an apartment building, but you know, to, also speaking to to Jason's like mindset and everything, he he came out and he, I think he pushed everything along because I think a couple of us were like, I mean, I'm sure we all were like kind of, you know, scared or or just like weirded out by everything, you know. So it was definitely in really interesting. We had three nights, I think, two days out there, and just kind of like being with each other and trying to trying to make music and it was great i mean it was it was super weird but um <laughs> Dude, this is know. so he was like jason like yo we got it we got to cook you know we got to finish this we, he wanted to complete it he did yeah uh and well we had flown we had flown out there and i think he was kind of like I gotta go do this because they Dude, i can't out. believe you how did you get a flight dude that's insane well we that was to... like no because you know what it was like all the cats were on <laughs> tour in February, and there were still like packed music halls, and being yeah. was probably going flying around then. But um, middle of March, man. I mean, so anyway, yeah. you you flew in, and it was like so so. Even though you were out in the in the uh, you know the, the the oasis of the desert, it's like yeah. So part of it was like. Jason was one of his biggest things was uh, figuring out how to to complete the task. Yeah, exactly. And he, I mean, he was ready for it. Uh, um, and I think I don't know if he was maybe about to cancel, but then he decided to come out. He, I'm not sure, but um, he came out. He brought all this gear with like there was a, a music room in the place we rented at a drum set. And he brought out his task cam and a, mics and, you know, some bunch of other stuff and uh and we just we just you know went through the songs hit record and we were all there together and yeah there's definitely some songs i feel like that have that they're not perfect takes you know there's a song called uh great dream where i think we actually cut tape together we took two we took two takes i and... dude that's so miles right there dude <laughs> that's so miles davis dude <laughs> Yeah, man, it was, it was, uh, yeah, Jason gave us some great ideas. He was like, we're, let's just cut the tape and put these two together. And then, you know, I added a few things in post to like kind of help the tape break a little bit because it wasn't right. perfect, but that was what was fun about it, you know, is to kind of to just do it. And then, and then I mixed most, some of the songs, he mixed a couple of them and, and then we put it out. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I have a single too that we did like a year ago, and that we'll be putting that on March, and that was a lot of fun too. We did that in his uh, at his house upstairs. Um, what also, what um were you were you recording on analog? Yeah, yeah. He brought out the the quarter inch tape machine. Holy cow! Yeah, Holy he cow. lugged it out in his Prius. 
and Dude, this is insane. And this I'm is gonna, this is sick. This is, are you have you always been an analog cat or was not that... always? Like I record with digital at, at at the studio that I have here, and but I have worked with tape one a couple times before. Um, I did like a, an EP that I never released that was in 2016 here at a cool studio on Orchard Street called New York Head. And that was a lot of fun. We did everything straight to, to two inch tape. And I love working with it. And that was with this amazing dude, uh, Matt Verdere. He's, he's an awesome guy. Um, and oh. there was no computer in the whole studio. I think since then they put a computer in, but back then he mastered it and gave me a CD and he was like, here's your tracks. He's like, don't lose the CD. Cause we'll have to do it again. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh, so I've always leaned. I love. I love recording analog. It's. It's. You know. It's great. From your for your ears. I mean, as a journalist and a patron and just a lover of vinyl, um, and just sort of <clears throat> that uh, the synthetic uh, making of music and the processing, the digital processing and the hyper compression, just nothing feels good. It, it, a lot of times I listen, especially pop music. It just yeah. doesn't feel, it just feels mechanized. And, you know, regardless of whether you have a, a, a big band or a small ensemble or you're doing just solo singer-songwriter, I just wonder about, for your ears, what makes uh, the stuff that you and Jason were working on and, and Joshua Tree or even with this cat back in New York, um, that, is it, is, it a, is it a warmer sound? Is it just more... Um, soul so to speak what would, how would you describe that versus the other forms of recording you've done i think that yeah i think that it has a a nice warmer sound um i mean i also think you can get uh a great sound out of digital too um maybe it's just like the mm -hmm. process is is different you know the process is is less like let's you know you get a take you get a take down that's it great you know you're not going back to fix a bunch of stuff you know and like it's just a different workflow maybe that i like because i'll be going back also to the take you know it's all about the take but like you get a take on an iphone that's amazing or you know nowadays maybe or and and you could probably do something with it but um right i i like the workflow of of the analog studio and you just kind of it's more natural and then yeah it does sound punchier especially if you're listening to it you know uh, in the right way as well when you're on the playback or something um, just the audience just the audience when you recorded with that guy in the city and he burned you a, and he made you a cd but he said don't lose this because we'll have to do it again doesn't he have the doesn't he have the the uh tape that he recorded it on originally well well yeah we had, we would have to do the tape and then we were doing the the mixing on the fly into this like i forget what it was some other mastering tool that puts it on to a cd so i'm not sure the actual pro like how that worked but he essentially we'd have to uh roll up the tape and then you know hit record and then do the we were doing you know live flies on the on the faders on a few parts and stuff like right. that so it was it was like that, I guess. So basically, we just have to remix it. You know, we wouldn't lose it or anything. But um, well, no. When you were in Joshua Tree, were you? Uh, was it just you, or was there a rhythm section? 
I had a, a drummer there, uh, John L. Bernstein, who I work with a lot here. He was out there and that was it. It was me, him, Jason. And then I had a, a couple other friends out there and my, and my partner was there as well. Um, you, you, it was just guitar and drums. Yeah. And, uh, Jason, I think played bass live on those tracks too. And then he would either do that or, or, or overdub it. And there wow. isn't drums on all those tracks, I don't think, but, um, well, my question was, this is what was leading into it. Cause this is more about, <clears throat> um, it's, it actually isn't you, you're, you made a very good point. It's not digital versus analog. It is mic placement where the mics are being placed yeah, yeah and i'm just i'm curious about the mics placement that uh jason had to, to mic the drums to mic you and then the fact is that there was minimal to no overdubbing i take yeah there wasn't a lot of overdubbing um we did some i forget exactly how i feel like he we were in the same room and i think we were he had the mic a couple mics on the drums not a, like not fully mic'd at all, you know, and that just be maybe like like one one overhead or something or left. Yeah, you know. yeah, I kind of feel like that might have been what he did, and then a, a possibly like a kick. I forget exactly how right. many he was using on the drums, and but it, was it wasn't a, like it wasn't over mic. Yeah, because that's a big that's something. No, yeah, not over. Right. Yeah, definitely not over mic'd at all, and um, you know, the I some of the we did like rough uh passes of the of the tracks when we were done there right and i took the tape home and there was a couple tracks that i couldn't remix and we just ended up using like the rough take and maybe i i might have added like i might think i might have changed some vocals on a couple things and redid them um but uh pretty minimal yeah and the tape transfers that we had from the the desert were actually i for some reason i couldn't meet him i don't know if the tape tape machine i had wasn't as nice or didn't have like quite the the reach yeah. yeah yeah but so we ended up using some of those original ones that he just mixed on the fly and sent and then, that uh, is so unbelievable <laughs> yeah i mean it's that is so great oh, yeah yeah that's what i'm saying you you know you you just take because it because it's it's just it it, it burns you know it, it feels better it feels yeah. better Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you get there. I, I so talk a little bit about. I mean, you live in the city right now, or where do, where are you at? Yeah, I live in Brooklyn. Which borough? Uh, uh, Brooklyn. I live in like Gowanus, so it's near Park Slope. Um, you gotta be kidding me! You live in Gowanus? Yeah, do you know? This yeah. is so classic because I'm I'm gonna be at my buddy's <laughs> in Carroll Gardens in March for my birthday, for, turning forty six. So. If you're around, we gotta hang. There's a sick show at the Sultan Room on my birthday uh, that you we should definitely hook up. We, we what what's what day is that? That's uh, a Wednesday. Okay. I'm yeah. Not, it's a, it, go yeah, ahead. Man. That's no. I love the Sultan Room. I did my the album release for this one. I did there. Um, you did. I love, I love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, this that's so. I mean, so you're you. I mean, go on. We we passed that. It was just so funny because we went, I was with him uh, last year with his family and uh, he, uh, <clears throat> we passed that, that green river with the polluted river. Yeah. You know? the canal. You know? <laughs> and they're trying to, you know, like, and Steven Nielsen is living in Gowanus. Dude. That's unbelievable. That's, That's classic. Yeah, man. So, so what, I mean, are you, are you like playing like 
like like uh, Barbets or uh, Sunnies or what? What, what is the? You know, what are some? You know, oh. I don't actually. Uh, I don't play out that much right now. I have a gig actually in March as well. Really? It's, it's on the nineteenth, and I'm playing in the city at a place called Berlin. Um, and then. Yeah, no, you know, I, I haven't been playing out much. And I played a show there again last year, but I'm trying to play. I'm trying to get some more gigs. I do like going out to Sunny's. I mean, Barbés is awesome. Um, I'm curious, though, like before, would you say that you that it's fine that you're, you know, you're, you know, you're not you're not do, doing a lot of live playing. But was there a period of time in New York where you did? Uh, the most I played, yeah, was when I was in the uh, the Southern, it was kind of like a surf rock band called High Wasted, and that was like 2013 to like 2018, and we played a lot, and we toured, and um, all over the city, really, a bunch of different places. Um, what was the uh, the road dog life? You, did you like it for a while, and then it got... I, I liked it for a while, yeah, and, you know, it was great, like... I was just playing lead guitar and um, so I wasn't really, I wrote a few things, you know, and uh, got to help out with some arranging, but it wasn't like my group, you know, so it felt good to get back ap after that. That's why I made that other album, but the road life, you know, yeah, it can be a lot of fun, but it can also be um, just, you know, kind of difficult and tiring as well. I mean, I, we had great times. We got to play some fun shows and, um we did like the riot fest one year which was great and you know out to la and back and that's when i started really getting into the la scene too i mean i'm still not in like in it but like i, I like it out there um so I, yeah. I try and make it out there every once in a while um but yeah you know we had the good times and the shows were great you know we played to a lot of like younger a younger crowd and they were all super into it going all all around ohio Oh, there's tons of great, like, there's a good scene there, at least back then, 2016, you know, 2017. So. Did you feel like, um, how did you stay inspired? If you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you guys were set, were, were you say you were playing like a formula trip set every night or were the songs, I can't, were you stretching out instrumentally? I, I, I my uh, question overarchingly is like, how as an artist do you stay inspired because uh, I don't know. I just never want to yeah. hear the same song the same way once. Yeah, no, uh, I think maybe that's why I, you know, after a while, I kind of wanted to, to to not do it anymore, you know, and the, what isn't, what kept, uh, what kept me inspired for those, you know, is like just the energy of a show and having people right. there and right. enjoying it. And every night it's different people. And, you know, we did play, pretty much pretty similar stuff there was a couple places in throughout the set that would uh would be more of like the kind of just chaos solo like noise kind of sections which which were would change you know but there was definitely a lot of uh of the same thing monotony so yeah no i yeah, yeah. no was it would you think you say it was noise section or was it you think it was genuine sound uh, it was kind of no. I mean, there was like no, because I, I mean, that to me, it does that that again. I, I mean, it's I'm a Duke Ellington guy. It's all music, and then the subjective part is either it's good or bad. But sometimes some of that music, and again, I would need to hear directly the band, but it does come across as noise. 
yeah yeah well some of it was just like making making noise and using right. you know memory toy with like a freeze pedal and kind of like fucking around and uh and soloing and then kind of all kind of you know figuring out when we're going to come out of it together which i like that oh you're all gonna come come you know come back on the one at the same time yeah so you know there was there were there were fun parts of that too you know and there's definitely some monotony but yeah definitely like just the crowds and and meeting the people in every town and that was kind of what was great about it you know you get to go to a different town every day and meet new people and and uh put on a show for them you know it's a lot of that's it is it is a lot of fun and right uh, i mean there's a lot of i was in my opening even when i talked about philanthropy for the cats just because you know if you do go on a pretty extended tour in 2023 there's really no i mean you might it you just don't get a lot of money to for the actual gig anymore you you make your money on the merch table yeah um, yeah everything is so much more expensive that in order to come at home with money i mean it is a tall order Oh, and yeah. quite I frankly, mean, it's I mean, it's kind of lame that the musicians, like, <clears throat> at the end of the night, you know, there's 800 walk-up people out of nowhere in Denver for a show, and the club's like, no, you're not getting an extra cut. And there's no enforcer, tour manager kind of person there to be like, what do you, you know, we're not leaving until we get our pet. The musicians have to wear eight hats. And so you just oh, never, yeah. to me, it's just, that's the buzzkill of the whole thing because you know uh there's no pay for the gigs anymore no yeah i mean i wasn't really ever getting paid for those gigs either and, and it's tough it's that's also like you know i'm kind of saving up to go on the tour and it's like a little vacation and it's it's great but then you know to not get anything out of it monetarily you know it's it is really hard and so I've never, I've never been able to crack that one. So you no, know. man. I mean, it's it's actually a deterrent to doing like, yeah. You know, you have to have, uh, you know. Anyway, if if there are consumers or, you know, the people that want it, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to, um, invest in it. You know, and that's the only way I see it. You know, and I and I really don't want a. Uh, I, I I love this country. I, you know. I, there's many amazing people in it i but a lot of a lot of the older cats say that there's the only way you're going to have a a rejuvenation or reappreciation of uh music as a profession uh is really like uh if there's a dissolution of, of society in general uh mm. or a complete collapse of civilization which is where you know it's just like oh um w what's the one thing that can be healing right now it's, it's music you know yeah um, it's yeah. it's the idea of seeing it as a profession so are there other things i mean i believe like roberts you know you have to be a producer you have to um you know uh do all you play you know play sessions mm -hmm. um, i just wonder how you what other things you do in order to uh sing for your supper as a musician yeah uh i mean for me i've mainly just done other other jobs uh you know bartending and uh service industry stuff i've done you know stagehand work and like i haven't done any session work and i've done a little bit of like lessons here and there um 
but I, yeah, I fund everything on my own. And then I, you know, I have a little studio here and I go there uh, frequently and work on the craft and, and try and learn the studio more. I've been trying. So like, that's another thing I'd love. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get into maybe producing and like finding some, some artists that would be into like doing some tracks at the studio and really community is something I'd like to build more of as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I, from listening to the couple of things that I did of your podcast and I love it, it's like, you know, you, you were saying you're here to, to like, to introduce people to other people. And like, that's, uh, it's really amazing. Um, you know, it's more like, it's just like connecting, like being an advocate for the musicians, but being able to use my true nature to do it authentically and like yeah. also like shine the light on, you know, huge name luminary people. But also like the most important thing is that the music carries on, you know? Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, and I, I had the easy job because I'm not a musician. I feel like if I was <clears throat> and doing... I'm not in awe of anybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I, I, I don't have, because it, it, listen, regardless of what you want to say, I mean, on the best night, someone like Jason uh, makes most people walk away from a show feeling inspired to want to keep going on their, on their apparatus. But yeah. then there's other cats that like, they're, you know, they're just shredding and, or, you know, whatever instrument and, and you go home and you want to just put the thing in your closet. And I, I wouldn't do well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, man, yeah, J I mean, yeah, Jason's playing definitely inspires me. He's one of my favorite guitar players, and to be able to have him play on the shows with me when I'm in L.A., and he he came out for the, the show in New York a year ago, and it's just really great, you know, and... He did, he came out for the, the Sultan? The album the release Sultan? out here, yeah, he flew out for that, and that was really great, and then we did one in L.A., like, a little bit later at TG, um... Wait, those, you didn't you didn't play with you didn't play on the same bill as the Dan Horn band, did you? No, that was a, it was before that. It was like in uh, it, I did go see that show though. That was oh, that's you know I wasn't there. So that, that was that was a great show though, dude. Yeah, though they <laughs> wanted the Sultan room. I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, my yeah, buddy, that, my, I had people there. Yeah, that was great. No, we played a, a couple months before that. I think it was like November and uh wow, that's awesome. was there was was he playing bass no he played guitar yeah okay and He's who who, who, would do, who did the who was in the rhythm section uh this is uh, uh I have my buddy john was on drums and then this guy james buckley super talented bass player as well um was on bass and was he that the first time that him and like, like they had never played before you guys just kind of did like a a little Sound yeah, he, yeah. Like I played with Jono in other bands, and then uh, none of no, like none of us had. Other than that, everyone had was their first time playing. I played with James like as in at the studio jamming. He'd come over and we'd play, but like uh, I think Jason first time meeting all those guys that day. We did one one rehearsal the day before, and then, um, but yeah, it was great, man. It was awesome, and then and then we booked a show out at TG the next month but yeah the show at Salton was great and uh I I had a the I hadn't played a show in a long time with an old friend of mine there too uh Josiah Johnson he we used to do like open mics back in Seattle and he wow I feel like I know that name or I don't know why he, I know he that was name. in a, he was in the head and the heart uh yeah which is like mm -hmm. band. And, uh, all those guys got together right when I was doing open mics in Seattle so we all knew each other from that 
um, like maybe boy, 13 years now, 14 years ago. So, so were you, uh, were you, were you immersed in like the, the folk? Was there, was there a, a burgeoning folk scene in Seattle or was it more of a grunge folk At scene? At that time it was definitely, what I was in was a folk scene. There was a, uh, also, I feel like kind of a heavier scene. Um, yeah, very heavy is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Like Helms Ali and like, uh, I can't think of any other names now, but that one comes to mind. But I was in a small part of northern Seattle called Ballard, and sure, um, there, there was just like a really great uh, open mic that Josiah actually ran most of the time, and I think that's where the head and the heart met. There's a bunch of other great songwriters uh, that were that were there at the time too, and it was just like every week, whatever. There's you know tons of people, and we we're all you know, bring in new songs. It was a really inspiring time. It was great. Um, where do you, where do you feel like, uh, you know, we all have shortcomings in our, as, as uh, to try to create a, a, vi a livelihood to do what we love. And I just wonder like for you musically and professionally, where do you feel like you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone the most? Um, I think, I think just, um, I can, a lot of places maybe, but, um, what's like something that is sort of like, you know, just, you know, frontal lobe kind of thing. Yeah. I think for me now, I want to try and play more shows and also try and, uh, involve more musicians, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like get more people together and even like, you know, almost like jazzy, you know, get together and have some songs, but we're not going to rehearse them all the time. We're just going to all do it, you know? And like, I, I love that for shows. And so, yeah, I guess I want to push myself in, in that direction, trying to like contact more people and just put myself out there as a musician, you know, and, and bring it, bring together the people that I think would be great to work with all in one room for a day and like make some tracks. And um, that's one thing I'd like to do. I mean, yeah, all, you know, the, the whole social media thing for me is really tough. So I guess, you know, pushing. You want to, you want to, you know, I mean, what's the, uh, the self-promotion aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah. I just watched yeah. this, this one documentary on Sandy Bull who I didn't know there was a documentary. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> ridiculous cat man and there is some saying about how he was not ver he was not versed in the art of self uh promotion like, yeah promotion. yeah and uh i was like yeah i mean i feel that you know like well the, that was the magical time i mean if you have any of his records on vanguard that was run by um maynard solomon and like he wasn't mm -hmm. a musician he was just a an a r guy and a producer who loved music and understood that there were like these hotbed, you know, Jim Quest and Jug Band, all that stuff. And so yeah. the musicians didn't have to, uh, obviously the guy had a studio. I mean, I interviewed Jim Quest and he, he, I mean, they used that studio late at night into the wee morning hours. Nobody was getting charged. I mean, cost of living yeah. was dirt cheap, but the point is yeah. the musicians yeah. didn't have to self promote. There was a record based industry to do that. Yeah. The radio you know, and, and that made it much easier for them um, to make a living and get ahead. Yeah. And like, yeah, and like you were saying, now that uh, everyone has to kind of do 
all these different hats, you know, and um, it, it it can be kind of daunting, you know, and where do you start? Where do you go? You know, do you, what do you do first? Like, so, and for me, making the music is the thing that drives me. So I, I, I stick to doing that always, you know, no matter what, it's just what I love to do. And it's kind of like therapy, you know? Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, the, <laughs> Yeah, you haven't even experienced Jake Feinberg at a live show yet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, but I love no, you, are, you, 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 you. See, that's the thing I love about new media, and I recognize that, like, um, <clears throat> that, like, not everybody's going to adhere to this. Um, I have a unique uh, situation where um, I can project out what I want people to see. You know, essentially, it's entirely my heroes. It's not me pontificating or promoting my who I am or what I believe, I'm taking, you know, I'm going to the videotape in the front row, highlights of the, of the guys on the bandstand or, or pulling cats aside and doing interviews outside the show before, before the game, yeah. you know? And, 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 and it, to me, it's like, it's, I, I can't expect every, you know, as an artist, I just would rather project light, the light I have on other people. I would hate myself if I was just sitting here, bloviating about my own beliefs yeah. I, I just don't don't know why you know but people you know yeah. and they need a lot of money doing it you know yeah i mean i think that then that's beautiful you know and that's that's something like with music with doing it with other people you know it's so great and i think that's the listening really... the, the the love and the listening you know like that's how yeah. how have <laughs> have you always did you learn music by ear before you learned to read music um no, I was, uh, no, I mean, I was, I learned guitar, like, by ear from, uh, you know, a couple people, my brother, and uh, there was this other guy, I grew up in Wisconsin, My but my father is a, um, he was a band director, music educator, uh, wow. so I, wow. I played, I played sax, I was pretty serious sax player. Um, wait, 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 where was he an educator? He was, he taught um, like the beginning students. I grew up just outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And he was the the kind of like first few year teacher. And then my godfather was the high school teacher. And then there was another guy that did the middle school. So there was three teachers there. And they had, I mean, it was a great, they had a great- uh, Whoa, whoa, that is insane. thing there. Um, and my, yeah, my dad was a, you know, he was great and he taught me sax and he plays woodwinds himself. He still does. He's, is he, play, is he like, a, is he like a post-bop fanatic? Like where does he fall in in terms of jazz? Uh, jazz. I mean, you know, that's a good, he, I remember. Or is, he, is he more like a, 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 a Chicago, like, like power rock kind of tower of power kind of cat? No, well, he was like Benny Goodman, you know, and like uh, I know we had that very tall album by uh, who's that? Who are those guys? Uh, what Cannonball? Mm, uh, no, I'm trying to think of what that what that was. The the vibe player, Mill Jackson, and like, oh my god, yeah, dude. Um, well, I'm curious about, but like when he plays, like you know, at night when you were growing up, did he have a steady gig anywhere or did he play any straight jazz gigs or was he playing more like blues rock? Uh, he didn't have any straight gigs. He was just mainly teaching. Um, wow. But he, but later on he did, he does, he's had like, he's been a part of a jazz band maybe the last like, this Dixieland jazz band he does like the last 10 years or so. Wow. Maybe. wow. And uh, he, 
he does like uh or like a big band stuff and then he conducted the new horizons this like kind of a <clears throat> a concert band for older people and uh he just recently stopped doing that because his hearing's gotten a little worse but he still plays and he's learning how to do it with his new cochlear implant i guess the better the better question would would have been was he did he do was he a road dog back in the day before you were even conceived oh no he was always a teacher actually wow wow yeah, yeah he taught for like 35 years at at the school that i was at and that was his thing i mean that's what he loves doing and he's a great teacher too um and uh yeah so you know they got me into that and then i i took i went to college and studied classical guitar from uh this this like small liberal arts school so i i learned that too and that's probably about when i started writing i didn't i was in a i was in like punk bands in high school but i didn't really write songs um until a little later so yeah i studied classical and then i i didn't do that but I I was reading music then too, but I don't really read it much anymore. You know, it's kind of uh, more just like finger yeah. stuff. Um, what? Tell me a little bit about um what you are looking forward to most about this magical weekend in in April. Let Let the Body oh. Dance, twenty twenty four. Awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing the other bands for sure um you're I've gonna never... be there you're gonna be there the night before right yeah i'm gonna i'm pro i saw that dan horn band show i think we're gonna come for that one too at gold diggers Have you seen house band yet or not i have not i'm really looking oh, yeah, i mean you're gonna lose your i mean it's just it anyway i'm sorry continue Go no on. dude i'm super excited <laughs> to see house band i love uh i i don't know who's gonna play in it but i think because the guys that are, I'm looking forward to playing with the guys too, with Jason and I think Josh Adams is playing drums, who I've never met. He, he might. I mean, Josh is like, uh, uh, believe it or not, you you beat him. He he's he still won't come. On. He, I'm pushing him. To, I'm trying to get him out of his comfort zone, but I still want to do an interview with him. He's arguably my favorite um, uh, modern day drummer. Um, I mean, yeah. you put him. Pat Kelly on bass and uh, McGuire and film and it's just it's a funky raw bunch of badasses. But the, you're 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 gonna play with you're gonna play with Adams and, and Roberts uh, uh, the, on the sixth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That and then uh, Scott Aaron's turn on bass. Um, so I'm stoked to play with those guys. I mean, I've never played with Josh, but I mean, anytime that Jason puts a band together for me is just so amazing. And then to I see. I think this might be the greatest of all time. I don't, I don't know the bass player, but just having Adams and Roberts is going to be sick. What did you say? Just having Jason and Josh is going to be so sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked on that. And we're actually doing some uh, uh some recording out there i'm gonna do uh, uh some new tracks with with both of those guys and the bass player and aaron as well so we're wow. i've got a couple days booked at at aaron's studio and we're gonna do some new tracks so i'm i'm uh really excited about that as well um and yeah just being in la i, I love taking uh, taking a break out there and playing music and it's just like it's great well, Stephen, I gotta tell you, when I I'm flying, in, I'll be in, I'll be in literally I'll be staying like I think in Gowanus uh, from the 13th 
through the fifth, I believe the morning of the 16th, but um, we should definitely link, uh, if ready to show some, you know, we'll definitely get together, do a video interview in person, but obviously you were the right man for the job, dude, and I am really honored that you are uh, taking part in a very healing event for not just myself, but uh, hopefully for the world, you know? Yeah, thanks, man. I, I It's an honor to to be a part of it, and uh, thank you so much for talking to me today, too. It's It's been great. No, no, yeah, I had a ball, man. We were we were all over the place, and we'll and we'll uh, definitely do more, brother. Right on, man. Well, right. thank you. Be in touch. Be cool. See ya. Peace.